You are listening to Church of the Oaks podcast, where we exist to send disciple makers of Jesus by being disciple makers of Jesus. For more information about our church, such as service times, upcoming events, or how to join a group, please visit us at churchoftheoaks.com. It's just so good to get to be together and like just sing about and, and proclaim the love of the Lord and uh, his finished work on the cross. For those of us who are believers, it's, it's incredibly good. Um, as a church, we uh, primarily we preach through books of the Bible, and so we've been going through the book of Luke. And uh, this morning we'll be in Luke chapter 12, so if you've got a copy of God's Word, um, I hope that you do. Some of the passages will be on the screen and stuff, but it's always just really powerful to have a copy of God's Word in your hand. And so uh, Luke chapter 12 is where we're going to be today. And uh, just a little recap, sort of, we, uh, we talked about worry last week, uh, which just happened to fall like right before a lot of our, our college students are walking into finals and stuff like that. And um, I think for a lot of us, that, that, that passage about greed and worry and how those things interplay together was, was really encouraging for a lot of us. Um, it, 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 it was encouraging to me thinking about like, I, I don't have to worry because I have this, this great love of the Lord. His faithfulness is steadfast. Like I don't have to worry because of, of who he is. I can set those things before him. But then I uh, got into my week and then some things happened that I did want to worry about. Did that happen to anybody else? You got all excited about worry last week. You're like, I ain't worried about nothing. And then you went into your week and you're like, oh, okay. That happened to anybody besides me? Yeah, right. All right. And so uh, Tuesday, uh, I went into a meeting here at the BCC. And um, it's kind of a normal, normal meeting like we normally have. And we have these standing meetings we go to where we talk about how things are going, any changes we need to make, things like that. And um, this one was a little bit different. And uh, in this meeting, um, I learned that there was going to be uh, two other uh, groups we're going to start meeting here on Sunday mornings. Um, like, I, I'm not sure their churches, but something, some other, you know, more groups are going to start being here at the same time as us, which complicates some things uh, significantly, makes some stuff a little more difficult, a little harder for kids' ministries and things like that. Um, and then I also learned that our, our, uh, our, our rate, our, our rental rate, was going to uh, nearly double in, in August. And um, I was surprised by both of those things. Um, and that was Tuesday. And I just preached about worry and, like, the provision and the faithfulness of the Lord. And then I had this whole, like, passage rolling around in my head, this whole meeting. And I'm sitting there in the meeting, and I'm like... Uh huh. Not gonna worry, All right? And then I come to this next passage, um, which was also just in- incredibly uh, timely. Um, it's a passage where uh, Jesus follows this this command to not worry with this really strong command. Um, it's a command that's very practical to us individually as we walk out our daily lives, and we'll talk about that. It's incredibly practical for us as a church as we're figuring out what does all you know what is God calling us to do next. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit too. Um, it's just it's it's a it's a timely passage. It's one that I'm hoping I'm praying uh, centers us our hearts and this this heart for the Lord and His faithfulness, but then moves us beyond that into action. So the passage begins in, in Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 35. It says this. It says, stay, stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. Be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so they may open the door to him at once 
when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he'll dress himself for service, have them recline at the table. He'll come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready. The son of man is coming at an hour that you don't expect. Now, before we jump in, this passage is, is using a lot of language about um, being a servant. And it's this, Jesus is, it's kind of an analogy. It's, a, it's kind of a parable where Jesus is, is um, implying some things about us in relation to a master, in relation to a king. And for us in this passage, like we're the people that are the servants, right? And if you're not a Christian in the room or you're new to this whole you know, system, you know, this whole thought of, of Jesus, um, the idea, the imagery of you being in this position of a servant is probably not one that you're used to or you necessarily like immediately love, you know? I mean, that, this, the passage comes at us and we're, we're the servants. And I just want you to hear, like before we get into this and talk about this, I just want to say to you, like, I get that that's not a position that you most naturally or most immediately would think of yourself in. But like Jesus is not uh, us, us in, in serving the king, serving this Jesus that we've put our faith in, is not in any way meant or designed or able to diminish or like subjugate us. That's not what that servanthood is about. Scripture talks about all of us are people that serve something, whether you intended to or not. We all end up in servitude of something. Many of us, it's security. We're like living our entire lives chasing after security. A lot of us are living our entire lives chasing after a pleasure. We're like indebted to that. We're serving that. Some of us, it's comfort. A lot of us, it's our own glory. Whatever it is for each one of us, all of us are servants of something. But then we encounter God through the person of Jesus Christ, and we see this loving God. Loves us perfectly. Loves us sacrificially. Not as this like dictator leader, but as a servant leader. Who like laid his life down for people like us who had walked away, who'd abandoned, who'd like disobeyed, who'd broken the heart of God time and time again, we had this king who rushes in to rescue and restore and then invites us into relationship with him. We get to be a part of his mission. We get to follow him instead of follow all other stuff that we were following before. And yeah, we're serving him, but as we're serving him out of thankfulness, serving him out of love for what he's done for us. It's not oppressive. We're changing teams. Now we're on the team of the king. So Christians, we follow God. We serve the Lord out of thankfulness and love, not obligation or oppression. So as you're just listening to this, and we're talking about serving, and talking about serving the king, talking about serving the Lord, that's where this comes from. Remember that we, we, we serve, like those of us who are Christians, we're, we believe that the one we serve was murdered on a cross in our place. That's the kind of king that we're serving. So there's three things that I want uh, to, to highlight here that Jesus is calling his followers to do. This passage actually extends on beyond that. We're not going to hit all of this. We're going to focus at the beginning where Jesus is making his point. I'm going to leave the rest of the, the, the passage as it continues on down through 48 and beyond to, to you guys. And so this, we're going to highlight this, some things at the very beginning here. So there's three things that Jesus calls his followers to do in the passage. First, he calls us to be ready. The very first word in the passage is stay, right? He says Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. There's this ongoing, continual, like, readiness that his, the servants of the king are called to. Say, dress for action. Keep your lamps burning. The dress for action is interesting because, like, 
Uh, you don't think a lot about how you, the way you dress indicates your readiness for action, but you don't dress the way that these people dressed. And so they had these like long, kind of heavy cloaks and garments that would extend all the way down to their ankle. Like it, was, it was heavy. It was not a thing you can run well in. My kids have some shoes that they won't wear to PE because they're not fast shoes. There's fast shoes, there's slow shoes, and they ain't going to PE in slow shoes, all right? Like, I'm not doing that. I'll go to church in slow shoes once, but normally it's fast shoes all the way. And so they like, this is, this is what he's talking about. He's like, if you're going to be dressed for action, what that meant is that you'd have to pull that tunic up, that big old long, heavy jacket. They would tie it up, and they would tuck it into their waist. It's like I like, pull their dress up, like, they, can, they can get it. You know, it's that kind of, I'm ready to run. I'm not, in, I'm not at leisure. I'm not trying to make a statement. I'm just ready to go. I don't care what it looks like. It says, keep your lamps burning. These are, this is this idea of like, I'm not going to sit in darkness. I'm not going to just like, I'm not calling it a night. I'm not like easing back away from this. I'm dressed for action. I'm ready to run. The light's burning. Let's go. I want to start preaching, but I got to read Ephesians to you first. All right? When he talks about dress for action, it reminds me of the armor of God. For those of us who are believers, like, you ain't wearing the tunic, right? And, like, for us in our hearts and our souls and our mindset as individuals as a church, this is, this is how we're called to be dressed in Ephesians chapter 6. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. If we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be, you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and shoes on your feet, having put on readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith by which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We're called to stay dressed for action. We are not a people that is uh, invited to um, set back in ease. We stay dressed for action. We're keeping our lamps burning. When you think about the lamps burning thing, really that's how you would call it a night. We've arrived. I can, I can be at ease now. I can let down my guard. The door is closed. It's time to, it's time to rest. And I'm not saying we're not called to rest in the Lord. We're called to be people, though, that are ready for action always. Psalm 119.105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so like the word of God functions as our light in the direction that we're called to go. And we keep that lamp burning. And the word of God that we keep opening every week together, and you do on an individual and ongoing basis, is a, is a book, is a, is a text that calls us to the mission. A mission in which we stay ready, stay dressed for action, where we don't like, okay, we've arrived. No, we're servants of the king. In his kingdom, in his mission, that is not complete. It ain't complete in our city, it ain't complete in the nations, it's not complete in our nation. It's not done. Like we stay ready. In this passage is a verse like Jesus is calling us to the opposite of like lethargy, like lethargy. You know, when you get all like lethargic on a Saturday afternoon about two o'clock, like that feeling, he's like, no, not that. 
Like there's, there's, there's the, the opposite of complacency, the opposite of settled, the opposite of comfortability. Not that you're never called to be comfort, but when it comes to the mission, when it comes to the kingdom, we're a people that are called to be ready, to stay ready. It's easy for a believer uh, to do this, like to, to find themselves shifting and drifting to this like lethargic kind of feeling of faith. It happens to me sometimes. It happens to every single one of us sometimes. Where let's say like something gets in it, like the, the fire of the mission kind of like, it, I don't know, we lose our grip on it or something. And it kind of feels like almost like, you know, I'm, I'm, I've kind of arrived. I'm, I'm doing, I'm kind of okay. I'm good. A buddy of mine in, uh, back in Huntsville, uh, a few months ago now, he, he found out he had a, uh, he called me one day and said, hey, look, I got some bad news. Um, I've had some leg pain and stuff and whatever, and uh, we thought it was, you know, normal just getting old stuff. Uh, but it turns out, I've actually, uh, apparently I have a, have a tumor in my spine. And I was like, that is bad news. And he said, what's worse is that it's not really like super operable. And um, they said, if I don't get it operated on, I'm not going to be able to walk. Uh, if I do get it oper- operated on, I still not, might, might not be able to walk. I was like, that's not great, is it? And he said, but I, I'm, I'm just going to pray that the Lord like, takes care of it. I pray the Lord takes care of it. I want you to pray the Lord takes care of it. And I want to ask you something. When I get through this surgery, would you, would you run a race for me? Like, run a race with me? You have to say yes. <laughs> you know, like, you don't get to be like, nah, bro. I'm not about that life. You know, like, you don't get to say that. You know, like, you just, <laughs> yeah, of course, man. Well, dude, we'll run like 100, 100K. Like, whatever you want, you know, let's go. You know, I'm going to pray and, and I'll, you know, break my knees running with you because, dude, he's like 6'4". His legs are like the entire length of my body, you know? I'm like like this little tiny child like next to him, like wiggling my feet around, and he's like whoosh, like a gazelle. He's beautiful, you know? Runs like eight miles a day for fun, that kind of mess. And I'm like, yeah, let's run, dude. We're going to be great. Yeah, two weeks ago, he called me because uh, he had the surgery. Went great. Um, like everything was fine. I uh, went back for another scan, the, the remainder of the tumor, like God just like miraculously took it away. He's like healed and he's like running five miles a day, like eight minute pace and that nonsense. Okay. He's doing awesome. Like way beyond what he's supposed to be doing. Praise God. And then he uh, calls me and he's like, all right, man, you ready? <laughs> Cause there's this race that I've played for, like that's in two weeks uh, from now. And, um, and I forgot about it. And he's like, you ready to go, man? Two weeks. Like we're going to hit it. I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. It's going to be great, you know? I ain't run at all. I didn't do nothing. I kind of forgot about it. I'm not ready. I can say I'm ready. I'm not dressed for action. I ain't got the lamp burning. I've been, I've been watching TV. I've been watching, like, all kind of stuff. I've been having a great time sitting in my house, not running. But two weeks from now, I'm going to run, and I won't be ready. He's ready. It's one thing to say we're ready. It's another thing to be ready. It's another thing, like when we come to the kingdom, we come to the mission of the Lord, it's one thing to say that we're ready. It's another thing to be ready. It's another thing to be armored up, expectant, ready to run, garment tied up, tucked in the waist, like, Lord, you, like, you point me at you, you Give me a direction. I'm out. Let's go. When it comes to the work of the kingdom, just you individually, when it comes to the work of the Lord, Christians in the room, I just want to ask you, like, are you ready? Are you like staying dressed for action? Are you ready? Are you in shape? Because I'm not. Like, 
when the running thing, I'm not. Like, are you, like when it comes to the Lord, the mission of the world, like, are you in shape? Are you ready to run well, run hard? Whatever he calls you to do. As you're interacting with people throughout the week, are you ready? And you've got people in your life who aren't believers yet. Like, are you, are you ready? When it comes to meeting needs in our community, in our city, are you ready? When it comes to, like, if God calls you the nation, is that passport in hand? Like, are you ready? When it comes to your soul, like, are you armored up? It's one thing to say we're ready. It's another thing to be ready. Jesus tells his followers, he says, stay ready. Stay dressed for action. Keep them lamps burning like, like the, the night has not yet come. Are you ready? It's easy for a church to slide into this kind of stuff too. It's not just us individually. It's easy for a church to slide into complacency. I've been there. I've served there. I've been on staff there. It's easy for a church to do and think kind of, okay, like as a church, we've, we've kind of arrived. We've kind of hit the, 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 the biggest thing that we can imagine God calling us to do. We, we're, we're, we're not, you know, disappearing. I know we kind of hit it. Two years ago, we were like, I don't know, <laughs> you know. And now, have we arrived? Are we done? It's easy for a church to, to get off the gas a little bit, to, to get off the core mission find themselves kind of being a little self-protective of, you know, making sure the lights stay on, that kind of stuff. And we can lose our edge. It's an easy thing to do. Maybe some of you have seen that before. And when a church does that, when a church like slides towards this and loses this readiness for the mission, it's a really hard thing to recapture. It's a lot harder than it is in an individual with a group of people. I've been thinking about um, this, this week since Tuesday. I've been thinking a lot about how things felt at Oaks like two, three years ago. Now, some of you were there for that. A lot of you weren't. And I, and, uh, I kind of hate it for you that you weren't, but you, you dodged some, some, some stuff, man. It was intense. I mean, there really was. There was, there was a lot of days where we started a, a team together and then a pandemic hit, and we're like, I don't know, how do you start a church during a pandemic? I don't know. That day was a lot worse than Tuesday. You know what I'm saying? That day is a lot worse than rent going up. When we, we first started trying to meet, we couldn't find anywhere that would let us meet indoors. So we had to meet outdoors, and we started preview services in August. Do you know what August feels like in the state of Alabama? Like, I think Tuscaloosa literally is the hottest place on earth. I mean, I've been to Texas. I've been out there when it's 110. That's a dry heat. I don't care about that. That is not, that ain't that hot, okay? You come to Tuscaloosa when it's like 75 that's hotter than that, okay? I don't understand what's going on over here. This is the hottest place on earth. August in Tuscaloosa, 105-degree heat index. We had a service outside. People passed out, all right? Paramedics came. We're like, I don't care. Jesus is king, you know? <laughs> we did care. Maria's yelling at people and stuff. It was great. It was a great day. <laughs> the next one we did outside, a hurricane was coming in. We tried to put our screen up in, in Government Plaza, but a hurricane was coming and tried to snap it in half. So we just took everything back down. We're like, I don't know. We'll just sing with no words. Austin's like, all right, just Google this song. The lyrics will probably pop up. It'll be fine. And we did it. And Jesus was glorified. And that was fine. Then we got to go inside somewhere. It's amazing. We were so excited. We got to meet indoors. That was a cool day. Then we ended up at a hotel downtown for, I don't know, a few months, maybe a year. I don't remember. Uh, time moves real fast. But like on Thursdays, they'd call us sometimes like, hey, sorry, somebody else wanted the room, so you guys are out. And we're like, okay, 
Then we just move. We just like text everybody, just go somewhere else that day. One time we just showed up at Lake Nickel. You can't reserve Lake Nickel. There's no one to let know. It's like 150 of us just showed up at Lake Nickel. The cops came. <laughs> they, they, they were not sure what was happening. We're baptizing people and stuff. And like, oh, it's a weirdos. You know, it was, it was great. And I love meeting in this big old beautiful building, you know, saving, like buys the toilet paper and stuff. It's like, you know, it's great. It's a great place to be. It's been pretty easy. I don't know if we're going to be here that much longer. But I know the Lord's faithful. I know that we're ready. I know that Oak's sitting leaning toward complacency. I know that we've kept dressed for action. We've kept them lamps burning, man. I've cried more in the last two weeks in Oaks than I've cried in church my whole life. We're sending people constantly. We're saying gospel goodbyes to people. We lined the whole stage last week with people that are going to the nations, going to other cities and, and, and across our, our nation, going to camps. We're going to stand some more people up today. They ain't going that long. They're going for like a week and a half. It's going to be okay. They're coming back. But like, you know, we're not backing off. Those of us who are going to be here this summer, we're not backing off the mission. I don't care where we meet. The mission doesn't happen in, in just in here. Disciples are not made in crowds. They're made across tables. They're made across tables with believers sitting there having a conversation. One of my buddies who's a pastor in Huntsville texted me in, like, in the middle of service a second ago because pastors don't care. And he's, I, he and I had been talking about one-to-one -one Bible reading, about the impact of somebody just sitting down with somebody else, opening one of the Gospels, and just slowly reading through it. He'd never heard, like, he's never thought about this. And he's like, all right, so what do I do? Like, you just open one of the Gospels. You just meet with a friend who's not a believer. You just read a paragraph. You say, all right, what questions you got? People will do that. You go into Monarch, that's like half of what's happening now, just one-to-one -one Bible reading. Like, it's like our other facility we don't pay for. It's amazing. And it's just people are reading them out. So he's been reading through the Gospel of Mark with an adult man that's not a believer. He's an airline pilot. Texted me about 10 minutes ago, and he says, hey, man, I just want you to know. My buddy just came to faith in Christ. We ain't, get, we ain't moving off the mission. Yeah, come on. They're like, people, yeah, great. Like, we've been praying. We've been seeking. We've been discipling people. We've been going, sharing, worshiping. We're ready. I'm praying for God to do some incredible things in our city this summer. Those of you who are going to be here this summer, I'm praying for God to do some astounding things in our city, across our church, through us this summer. We're not backing off the mission. We're staying ready. We're ready for action. We're watching for whatever kingdom opportunity he, he gives next, about a facility, about anything else. You just got to stay ready. That's what Jesus calls us to next. Second, he says to be watching. Earlier, Austin called us to pray about expectancy. That's the idea here. Verse 36 says this. It says, be like men who are waiting for their master to come. Be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the, from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. And that's good. Like these, these servants, they're, they're expectant. They're ready to go. They're ready to swing that door open and usher him in, like waiting for the moment to act. Like waiting for the master, like, and then I'm in. Like, I'm ready. I'm ready to act. I'm ready to swing that door open the instant that the opportunity presents itself for the master to walk in. 
Y'all, I don't know why. Uh, it's just part of my build set. Like, I don't know why. I love a good race except for running. But like any other kind of race, I love it. The reason I don't love running is because I don't like getting beat by my friends and I'm terrible at running, so I don't do that. But everything else, like if you want to race, I'm here for it, okay? Like I just, that's the way I am. Maybe it was growing up being a competitive swimmer or something, but I love just like one person next to another person and I just, I'm better than you. I'm qualitatively better than you in that thing at that moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, that is, it's just clean. I like it. It's just the way I'm, some of you are like, like lifters and stuff. You know, one of y'all asked me last week if I was like lifting. No, I don't like lifting. I like racing because you can't win lifting. I just not, I guess you could. I'd probably get hurt. It's not wise. So I love a good race, you know? I make everything a race. I make driving a race, like at all times. Does anyone else left foot brake at a stop? Does anybody else see stoplights as actually go lights? Like you're just waiting. Once that thing hits green, you're like, "Mm mm-hmm. And that that dude over there in the Escalade, you're going to smoke him, you know? (laughs) I don't even need to. Just going to. So anybody else left foot brake at stoplights? So you got a little bit more. So that that reaction time is just a little bit lower. We're the same people. Like we should have like a motorcycle gang together. It'd be awesome. (laughs) And the rest of you don't want to come. We'd smoke you. But like I love... A good race, like, like it's just, there's this, when, when you're waiting for the, like that star, you're in the block, like you're ready to go, waiting for the gun to go off, waiting for the light to turn green, like whatever it is, like there's this anticipation in you, like that heart starts pumping and like, go, turn green, you know? Like I remember I got, when I was a competitive swimmer, I got called uh, for false starts all the time, didn't care, because they didn't, I mean, you could get like two freebies, so why don't I roll the start, you know what I'm saying? Like, of course I'm going to do it. So. Like, I love that feeling of anticipation at the start of a race. Ready to run. These servants, they're, they're waiting, they're watching, they're expecting the master to arrive. They're ready. When, when you're ready and watching, you can react. When you're expecting the master to arrive, like, you can react. You're ready. For believers, it changes things when we expect the master to show up. You know what I'm saying? For us as believers, it changes things when we actually expect the master to show up. When we think anything ain't going to happen, like when we think everything's going to be fine, we're going to sit there and chill, like that means some things for our disposition and our attitude and our readiness for the mission. But when we expect the master to show up in a place like this, it changes things. It changes your worship. When you, when you like get in the, a room with somebody and like when you, you're, you're showing up to serve on Hey Team or whatever, you're showing up in kids ministry and you expect the master to show up, it changes the way you serve. It changes the way we approach the word. When you're opening the Bible on your own and you're expecting the master, like the Holy Spirit to speak to you and speak through the word, like it changes the way you interact with God's word. You're not just reading words on a page, you're interacting with the breathed out word of the father. Like that's, it changes stuff. Changes how we encounter challenges. When we hit roadblocks, when we hit challenges in life, when we hit challenges as a church, it changes things. We expect the master to show up. They're not things to worry over. They're opportunities for the Lord to move. That's where I'm praying right now. When it comes to the facility stuff, I'm like, Lord, I'm praying for you to move in just such a ridiculously cool way that you get all the honor and glory for it. I don't want to go out and fix a problem. I want you to move. Changes how we approach conversations too. Just a normal day-to-day life. 
And we don't expect the master to show up. We don't expect anything eternal to happen in this conversation that we're having right now. Like that, you act like that. But wouldn't you expect the master to show up when you're meeting somebody new for the first time? When you're having somebody over to lunch at your house? Like when you're, when you're doing that kind of stuff, when you expect the master to show up, it changes things. Jesus calls us to this posture of expectancy. Talking about these, these servants who are just ready, waiting for the master to show up, to come home from the wedding feast so they can open the door as soon as he's there. No hesitation at all, ready to act. Calls to this posture of expectancy. Calls to be people who are like watching for kingdom opportunities in everyday life. Not just like on a mission trip or something, but in everyday life, like looking for kingdom opportunities. Watching for his direction when we don't know what to do. Trusting that he's going to God. His word's a lamp into our feet, right? Like trusting that he's going to God instead of us rushing off and doing it on our own. Posture of expectancy changes, like it makes us watch for his movement when we encounter challenges. It causes us to watch for his return. It causes us to think about the eternal reward that's there for those of us who are believers that are about his work. Like there's, causes us to remember that Jesus is coming again. Victorious overall. Changes things. So are you ready? Are you watching? The third thing Jesus says in the passage is to remember the reward. Verse 37 says, blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. That's not the way it's supposed to happen. In normal life, like, if it, like people that were standing there listening to Jesus, the idea of the master coming and serving the servants because he's just excited for them doing the work well, like that's not a thing. That doesn't happen. This is the part in the story where everybody's eyebrows go crazy and they're like, what is it? Was he that? I that's, that doesn't process. And for a lot of us, it doesn't. When you think about the things that you're serving apart from Christ, none of those things are ever going to sit down and actually serve you. But you come to Jesus. It says these servants who stay ready and watchful, spring it into an action at a moment's notice. Like those are the ones who are receiving a reward. And what a crazy reward. The king like takes the role of a servant. It's a beautiful picture. Like that's the kind of king that we serve, the kind of God that we have. We're staying ready. We're staying watchful, not out of obligation, but out of thankfulness and, and like response to what he's done for us. We're just doing what he calls us to do. All he's asked us to do is just be faithful, just be ready, be watching. Then the results are on him and the reward is also his. When Jesus is talking about dressing himself, like dressing the master dressing for service and having his servants recline at the table to come serve him, that is not hyperbole. That's not just like parable stuff here. Like Jesus literally did this at the Last Supper, like in a, in a few chapters later. You know, when you get to John 13, Jesus literally does this. Jesus, knowing this is John 13, 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand. That he'd come from God and was going back to God. He rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, took up a towel, tied it around his waist, and poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. Wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He said, let me take care of this. Jesus takes this posture of a servant. Jesus the king. Jesus the savior. Jesus the son of God. Takes this posture of a servant and begins to serve these guys have been following around, just learning from him. You know, Jesus takes the posture of a servant with his followers. It's not a king that's oppressive. It's not a king that, like, is, is obligating you to do this. It's not like out of fear or serving him. Like, Jesus is this sacrificial, like, serving leader, king. 
But it wasn't just, it wasn't just the, the feet washing thing. He did it fully and finally, uh, not with a towel in his hand, but he did it on the cross. Matthew 20, 28 said, even as, this is Jesus, said, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is our servant king. He laid down his life for mine. He laid down his life for yours. To offer us this forgiveness, this hope, this abundant life in him. To give us everything that our hearts had desired to fulfill every need that we could possibly have. To rescue us and set us free from all the other stuff that we've been chasing. And invite us into this relationship with him. Prepare a place for us rescued us, then send it on high to prepare a place for us for eternity. Then it's promised to come back and set things right, to restore, to redeem. Listen, I, if you're not a Christian yet, like, I, I just want you to know that Jesus has done everything that needs to be done for you. That like striving, that trying to be a good enough, that trying to achieve enough, like Jesus has achieved everything that needs to be achieved and has offered it to you as a free gift in him. It's just a gift to be received by faith. It's not a gift that you can work at and try to earn. Like you can't clean yourself up to get ready to receive the gift. That doesn't work. It's just saying like, I need to be rescued. I need to be set free. I need to have a new life. I need you. I'm trusting in you. And everything that your heart desires, like that, that's, that's him. That frustration you feel and looking at the rest of your life being like, is this really it? I get a job. I do the job keep doing the job. One day if I save up enough, I can stop doing the job. Then I get really bored from not doing the job, then I die. There's got to be something better than that. There's got to be something better than I'm just going to toil and toil and toil until I can't toil anymore and then I'm done. That's not a life of purpose. That's not an abundant life. The story can't be like I'm just going to try and try and try to stop myself from doing these things that this my this, this darkness in me just kind of compels me to do, and I hate them, and I, I know that I feel like they're wrong, but I, don't, I can't have no power to stop it on my own. I can't, I can't escape it. But I'm just going to keep trying and failing and trying and failing, and then that's going to be it. There's got to be a better story than that. And Jesus enters and does all of that for us, dies on the cross to pay for our mistakes, rises from the dead to defeat death for us, rises on high to like make a place for us, and then just invites us into relationship with him through faith. Christians in the room, like we're, we're recipients of his grace, not as this oppressive king, but as this servant king. You and I, we're, that's who we're called to be. We're called to be the servants, like in Luke 12, but people that are loved by the Lord, ready and expectant for him to show up, expecting him to move, like ready for action, expecting him to move, and like ready to join him in whatever opportunity places in front of us in the next few minutes, in the next few days, the next few years. We ain't going to be people dozing off taking it easy, losing the edge. Individually, as a church, we're ready. Are you ready? Are you expecting the Lord to move? I want to pray for you, and we're going to begin to prepare our hearts to take a Lord's Supper together, okay? Let's pray together. Father, um, I know sometimes in my life, uh, I'm, I'm not ready. Sometimes that lethargic kind of feeling comes over me, and I I lose the readiness. I lose the expectancy. And I start just like doing normal, doing normal life. So God, I pray for myself. 
for each believer in this room and for us as a church, that you would wake us up, that you, by your spirit, that you would motivate us by your goodness, by your love, by your work on the cross, that you would motivate us to be people of action, ready, expectant. God, I pray that we would be expectant of you to show up even in this next few minutes together as we open our Bibles on our own later this week, as we meet together and go to lunch with people. God, I pray that we would be people that are expectant of you to move. God, when we face challenges as a church, and we got plenty of them, we want to see those things as opportunities for you to move, for you to get the glory. God, so we just set all that stuff in front of you. We're just your servants. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be ready. Help us to run every time you call. We love you. Here's something I pray.